maybe it's just my Instagram feed because the algorithm knows I'm interested in this kind of content, but I see things all the time about screen-free childhood or the impact of screen time on kids. And I'm fascinated by the impact of screen time on kids. And so I research a lot about that, but the more I've researched screens and their impact on children, I realized that there is an important piece of the picture that I believe is not talked about enough. And that is the impact of parents' screen use on their children. So in today's episode, I'll be sharing why you should worry less about your kids' screen time and more about your own, as well as seven practical tips on how you can actually do that and what to do about it. Do you ever find yourself turning to your phone without even thinking about it? Or do you get sucked into scrolling and regret not using that time for something else? You are not alone. I'm Alex, a screen time mentor for young moms, and I'm here to help you get a grip on your own screen time so you can be present, intentional, and live a more fulfilling life. Welcome to the Mindful with Media podcast. This idea of worrying less about our kids' screen time and more about our own is so interesting to me. And as I was researching to prepare for this episode, I was reminded how much room for improvement I have in this area. And I even have an entire business surrounding this idea of worrying more about our own screen use. So as I share these things and talk about this today, I just want you to know that we are definitely in this together as we navigate our own phone use while raising little kids. So there are two main reasons that you should be more concerned about your own screen time than your kid's screen time. And the first is that parents are an incredibly powerful role model for their kids. The second is the impact of distracted parenting. So let's break both of these down. One of the cutest things that my two-year-old son does is we have this old keyboard that was supposed to go to a computer that doesn't work anymore. Anyways, we have this keyboard and a mouse and he'll get the keyboard and mouse out and he'll set it up and he'll tell me that I'm working. And obviously he learned this from me, right? Watching what I do. And I can think of so many examples just like this that my son has done or said that he has learned from me without me intentionally teaching him. He just watched and then he started doing it, right? taking my phone and saying, say cheese, or um, this one's really funny. My husband uses a piece of toilet paper to flush the toilet so like his hands don't get dirty, in a little bit of a germaphobe. And so my son, my two-year-old son, anytime he wants to flush the toilet, he'll break off a little square of toilet paper to use to flush the toilet. Or I love watching him put his babies he has these little baby dolls that he'll put to bed and he does exactly what I do with him or oh he'll he'll go to my nine-month-old daughter and kind of you know caress her whatever hey precious hey precious which he totally learned from me anyways I'm sure that you have so many funny stories of things that your kids have done that they learned from you without you intentionally teaching them So this concept of parents modeling behavior is so powerful. Basically, with anything you want your child to learn, the most effective way is to 
model that behavior. So this is with speech, like if we want to teach our kids how to talk, with manners, saying please and thank you, with dealing with stress in healthy ways, and even things like how to have a conversation on FaceTime. Like just modeling behavior is more effective than just trying to like tell them what to do. Because kids notice and copy everything, whether we're intentionally modeling behavior or unintentionally. So it's not too surprising that our kids also notice and copy our media habits. Eric Rasmussen talks about this in his book called Media Maze, Unconventional Wisdom for Guiding Children Through Media. And I just have to put a side note in there. This is my all-time favorite book about navigating screens as a parent. He is a children and media researcher, and he also has four kids, so he really understands the impacts of media because that's what he does for his job. <laughs> but he's also super practical because he's a dad and he, he gets it. And so anyways, in his book, he shares extensive research indicating that the biggest predictor of children's media use is their parents' media use. And he also shares about a, this specific research study led by Sarah Coyne, who, okay, another weird side note. You just get to know how nerdy I am. <laughs> she, Sarah Coyne is probably my all-time favorite media researcher. Um, most people have favorite celebrities or athletes or something, but I'm obsessed with media researchers. Anyways, so basically in this study, the parents who watched more superhero movies, and not necessarily the children watching the movies, just if the parents had watched more superhero movies, the kids of those parents had behavior that was more similar to the behavior portrayed in the superhero movies. So like more play fighting, more wrestling, more like intense action stuff. Even though the kids hadn't necessarily watched the movie, just the parents had it impact. Well, we don't know if it impacted the kids' behavior, but there was a correlation there. And so I, I guess I want to point that out that this study does not prove that parents watching superhero movies causes their kids to be more aggressive, but it's likely that what we watch as parents impacts our kids, even if our kids aren't watching with us. So if we want to change our kids' screen use, the best way is to first change our own screen use. The second point of why we should worry less about our kids' screen time and more about our own is this impact of distracted parenting. So apparently moms spend more time with their kids now than in the 1960s, but the interactions between moms and their kids is increasingly low quality. And I always wanna be super honest on here. I usually look at the actual research myself, but I did not look at where they got this information. So I don't know how they measured what was high or low quality or how much time. So take that for what it's worth. But from my personal experience, this totally makes sense to me that parents are spending more time with their kids, but that time with their kids is not as high quality. Because for me, it's so easy to be with my kids, whether that's at home or at the park or outside on a walk, and constantly be interrupted by my phone, whether that's looking at texts and notifications or responding to things or even taking pictures, or even like when I'm doing something productive on my phone, 
when I'm with my kids, like making a grocery list or putting an event in my calendar. And then my kids are trying to get my attention and I'm feeling really annoyed with them. So they call this continuous partial attention. And that's where we're physically present with our kids, you know, maybe at the park with them or in the same room with them or playing toys with them. But we're not emotionally or mentally present because we are looking at our phone or doing something on our phone and distracted on our phone or intermittently distracted, right? Like we're with our kids and we look at our phone and then we're with our kids and we look at our phone. For these next points, I will clarify that I did look into a lot of research to back up these next points. So our screen time as parents impacts kids because it gets in the way of what they call this ancient emotional cueing system. So it's basically just this amazing way that babies and kids learn and grow and develop. And it's by communicating back and forth, both verbally and non-verbally with their caregivers. And so if this phone or our screens are like constantly interrupting that, it gets in the way. And this applies before babies can even talk. So when you're feeding your newborn baby and they're looking up at you and just that eye contact that happens there, there is so much going on developmentally for your baby when they are looking at your face and you are looking at them. And actually for you too, a lot happens there. But when we're on our phones, when we're feeding our baby, our kids, our babies are missing out on that those developmental opportunities. And in case you're feeling guilty, I want you to know that I even knew this. I had learned this before I had my first son and I still looked at my phone every single time I fed him. So if this is making you feel guilty, don't feel guilty. <laughs> just, just something to be aware of. And kind of this same idea under this emotional cueing system that we miss when we're constantly interrupted by our phone. When we are distracted on our phone, it's really easy to miss our kids' emotional cues. So like if they're wanting attention or feeling sad or feeling overwhelmed, the parent is much less likely to be aware of their child's emotions and what their child is trying to communicate and their needs if we're on our phone. And and not only to miss those emotional cues, but also it's super common to misread emotional cues when we're on our phone. So like we think that they're being manipulative when they're actually just needing attention. Another thing that is backed by research of parents' phone use is language development and how parents' phone use impacts kids' language development. So there actually have been some really cool research studies about this. And when the parent is intermittently picking up their phone, so like they're with their child, but then they look at their phone and they're with their child again, look at their phone. There are fewer verbal and nonverbal interactions with the child and the child is less likely to learn the new words. So like this one study, they wanted the parents to teach their child these really big words. I don't even know what the words were. I can't even remember if they were real words or not, but these really big words. And then they would like call the parent in the middle of it, even though the parent was like still interacting with them when they like the parent got distracted by the phone call, the child didn't remember the word. But when they didn't call the parent, the parent was just with the child, the the child learned the word. Anyways, <laughs> just some really cool things with how our phone use impacts our kids' language development. So this idea of distracted parenting and how being on our phone impacts 
our children. It's actually true for older children as well. So the Wheatley Institute did a study and they concluded this. Parent media use is an even stronger predictor of their children's mental health than the child's own social media use. So there's a lot of, if you're in this world of screen time at all, there's a lot of talk about teens, social media use, and how it's impacting them. But this study found that parent media use is an even stronger predictor of their children's mental health than the child's own social media use, which is crazy. And also they found with this is that most kids who are spending hours and hours a day on social media have parents who do the same. And it makes sense, right? And and Sarah Coyne, who actually led this study as well, she said this, when a parent routinely uses social media while their child is trying to get their attention, it sends the message that the child is not seen and valued by the parent. Not surprisingly, that can affect a child's state of mind. And this all makes sense, right? It's like, it makes sense that when you're on your phone and your child wants your attention and you're not giving it to them, it impacts them and impacts their mental health and their mental well-being. So we have all this research on how parent screen time is impacting kids. And if you're like me, it can be easy to feel a little guilty or scared or like, oh man, like it's just not realistic for me to constantly be entertaining my child or even just giving them my full attention. And I want to be really clear that that is not what this research means or what I'm trying to say. It's not realistic and actually not healthy at all for kids to constantly be the center of our attention. So I want to make it really, really clear that the things I've shared do not mean that you are supposed to constantly be entertaining your kids or never use your phone around them. Again, this is not realistic and this is not healthy for you or for your child. So what can you do about it? There are seven things that I'm going to share with you that we can do as parents to deal with this idea that our screen time matters more than our kids' screen time. First is to improve your own personal screen time habits. I'm working on creating an audio course right now that walks you through how to keep your own screen time in check, how to set up healthy phone boundaries and make sure your screens are helping you live your best life instead of being this distracting or negative influence. And I'll actually be sharing snippets of this course for free with anyone who's on my email list. So make sure to sign up for my email list and I'll put the link in the show notes for that. Okay, number two, give yourself grace. We are the first generation that's learning how to navigate this type of technology at the same time we are raising our young kids. So be patient with yourself, be patient with your kids, embrace that you are not going to be perfect in this and that's okay, which brings me to my next point. So third is to acknowledge when you want to do better. You will not be perfect in the way that you use your screens and your phone. And what's amazing is it's actually more beneficial to our kids if we mess up and then make it right than to just be perfect all the time. And this applies to a lot of different things in parenting, but it also applies to our phone use and our screen use. So if you find yourself scrolling on Instagram when you want to be present with your kids, this is a perfect opportunity to teach your kids. 
I'm sorry I've been so distracted by my phone. I love you so much. I'm realizing that I'm feeling overwhelmed, so I turned to my phone to try to get a break, but I didn't really want to do that. Let's all go outside and see if that helps us feel better. Tip number four, designate certain times, places, or activities to put your phone away. It's really easy to feel like we are spending time with our kids, but not really be there. I mean, I even think about this. I'm with my kids all day long, but how often am I really with them, you know, like really present with them? And you don't need to be with them for a lot of time, but just having little chunks of time when you know you're with them, they know you're with them, like it's mutually agreeable that you are all there. This can be really helpful because when you get on your phone, when you're doing anything on your phone, it is like you're leaving the room. So just remembering that you're going to a different place when you get on your phone can help in your mindset. If you're like, okay, do I want to be with my kids or do I want to leave and be on my phone? So it can be helpful to choose certain activities or times that we want to stay and be there with our kids for. So this could either be a certain time of day. So when you could do that is like, 10 minutes before and after nap time to have your phone put away to really be all there. Or you can do certain places. So like anytime I'm in the kitchen or in my child's bedroom or in the playroom, whatever the place is, choose certain places that your phone doesn't come. Or you can choose activities. So like whenever we're having lunch or whenever we're having dinner or whenever we're playing at the park or in our backyard, I guess that kind of goes with places too. But if you can just designate certain times or places or activities to put your phone away that can help you to to intentionally be present instead of being half present all day long the fifth tip that i have for you today is to tell your child what you're doing on your phone so before smartphones kids could see their parents doing things like going to the store to buy diapers or groceries or calling the doctor about their child's symptoms or getting together with friends to connect but now my toddler doesn't know what I'm doing with my phone in my face. To him, it looks the same whether I'm scrolling Instagram or ordering groceries or looking up how to help his rash. So telling your child what you're doing can one, keep you accountable. And it's kind of like telling your child you're going somewhere instead of just suddenly leaving the house, right? The sixth tip is to involve your child. This kind of goes along with the fifth tip, but when you're with your kids and you need to be doing something on your phone, it can be really helpful to involve them. If your kids are like mine, they'll probably be nagging you or crying or pushing their sister or doing something that is really annoying and frustrating and you're just trying to get something done on your phone. So bring them in with you. Hey, I'm texting grandma to ask what we should bring for dinner on Sunday. Once I finish typing it out, can you press that blue button to send it? And going back to the idea that when we open our phone, it's like we're leaving the room. When we involve our kids, it's like we're bringing them with us to wherever we're going. Tip number seven is to encourage independent playtime. You do not need to engage with your kids every moment of the day. It's actually really healthy for our kids to learn to play independently. And that can give you some time to use your phone without interruption. But kids typically always want you and your attention, whether you're on your phone or if you're just trying to get something done around the house. Sarah from Simplifying Play on Instagram, 
she's been an awesome resource for me for ideas and how to encourage independent playtime so that I can be present but not available, which is a term that she uses. I have a bonus tip for you today, which is accept that you cannot be on for everyone and everything at the same time. Living in this day and age of technology is so cool. We can do so many things from our phone. We can grocery shop and we can work and we can online shop and we can connect. We can do everything from our phone, basically. And because we have our phones with us all the time, we can do it from anywhere. We can do it when we're at home. We can do it when we're at the park. We can do it when we're at the store. I don't know. Just wherever we are, we can be doing anything because we have this device that makes that possible. But just because we can does not mean that we should. And I think this also goes with being able to be contacted that just because you can be potentially available for every person at every moment of the day with your phone there doesn't mean that you should. Because even if you think you are with your kids and working and grocery shopping and available for your spouse and anyone who might need you, you're always missing something. And with all this, this month, I'll be teaching a workshop on how to help your kids develop a healthy relationship with screens. Screens are such powerful tools for good and for bad. And we as parents have the opportunity to help our kids learn because the reality is we live in a world full of screens. And so instead of just being fearful about that or trying to avoid screens, I really believe that the best way to help our kids is to teach them to develop a healthy relationship with screens so that they can use screens as a tool for good. So this workshop is one hour long and if you can't make it live the replay will be sent out. It's only $15 and I love when I get messages like these after workshops. So here's some messages that I've received after some past workshops. One person said, I can't say enough about this class. I just had so many epiphanies during it. I'm so grateful I attended. Someone else said, whenever you opened your mouth and shared your wisdom, your insights blew my mind. Another person said, since our last meeting, I've started studying the Bible during what used to be the most stressful time of day. It's been life-changing to replace that Instagram time with studying the Bible. Your workshops are helping my mental health and my self-confidence. Someone else said, I loved all the insights from you and the other attendees, and I didn't feel alone in my struggle. And I'll just say that last quote that I shared is one of my favorite parts of these workshops that we come together and figure out some solutions together. I I teach and I share research-backed tips and tricks and things to do and really practical ways. And then I give you, we do some activities, so I give you some time to work through things on your own, to implement things in your personal situation. And then we also discuss things together as a group. And that's my favorite part is just realizing we're all in this together. And then you who have come to these workshops have such amazing ideas and things to share. So if you haven't been yet, sign up, come and share your wisdom and come connect with these other awesome people. I want to say at the end of this episode that this episode took me a lot longer than the others to outline because I wanted to be really careful to not make you feel more guilty or fearful or worried when it comes to screens. And I really wanted you to leave feeling empowered instead of more guilty about 
screen time and how your screen time can impact your kids. So I hope that these eight practical tips can help. But I also want to remind you that there are so many things that impact your kids. And this is just a small part of the picture. Remember all the things that you are already doing well that are having a positive impact on your kids. If you're telling your child you love them, are you having family dinner? Are they getting playtime at the parks? I don't know, we all have different things that we are doing well. And this is just a little part of the picture. And if you were listening to this episode and you are wanting to make some changes with your own screen time habits, remember to start with small, sustainable, enjoyable changes. So you're much more likely to have lasting changes if you choose something that's really teeny tiny that you can keep doing and that's fun and exciting for you to do. If you liked something from today's episode, will you share it with someone? It could be a friend or a sister or your mom. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for doing that and for being here today. You are doing so much better than you think you are and I will see you next week. I believe we should stop focusing on the negative aspects of screens and start using them as tools to support our values. We are the first generation learning to navigate this media-saturated society, and it is not easy. You don't have to be perfect, but as you are mindful, technology can be a tool to help you thrive. We are in this together as we figure out how to live a present, intentional life in this world consumed by screens. If you appreciated this podcast, would you make sure to leave a review and subscribe? I'm so glad you could be here today, and I'll see you next week.